This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 79, the 25th part of the 100 Miler History. For this episode, we will be taking a trip to Hawaii. Yes, I will tell the stories of the earliest 100-mile races that were established in the Hawaiian Islands, including the Primo Ultramarathon and relays held in Honolulu. I need more help covering the costs of putting together this podcast. If you can, I would welcome some help with a donation. Any amount is appreciated. Please use the donation link at ultrarunninghistory.com slash donate. That's ultrarunninghistory.com slash donate. Thanks. In the late 1970s, Hawaii had the most runners per capita than any other state. Some called it the running capital of the world. Hawaii was also an early adopter of the 100-mile race and other ultra-distance races. Hawaii's first 100-milers grew out of ultra-distance relays and shorter ultras, the Primo Ultramarathon and Relays. Running on the islands exploded. This popularity did not happen by chance. It came about because of the many key individuals who devoted much of their lives to make distance running races available to the general public in Hawaii. To have an appreciation of the first 100 milers established in Hawaii, one must first learn about the rich running history that evolved there over the years. During the years before World War II, Norman Tamanaha emerged as a top runner. In 1947, he became the first Hawaiian to finish the Boston Marathon. He dominated Hawaiian races for a decade, and in 1952, he finished in fifth place at Boston. He achieved great fame on the islands, organized many races, was a longtime high school track coach, and became known as the father of distance running in Hawaii. As early as 1954, the AAU in Hawaii was organized and became active in putting on road races of various distances, including the Hawaiian AAU Marathon. Roger Taguchi, a service station owner, was the chairman of the AAU Hawaiian Long Distance Running Committee for many years. He designed the initial marathon course to finish in front of his service station. Johnny Farber was a legendary runner in Hawaii. He won the 1967 Hawaii Marathon and recalled, I was the only one to finish in 67. We got started at 8 a.m. and it was really hot by the time we got out to Hawaii Kai. There were six or seven guys running, but they all dropped out. We didn't have any water stops or any of that stuff then. The original Hawaii Marathon was run on Oahu until 1971 when it moved to Maui. The Honolulu Marathon was then established in 1973. Kapaulani Park in Honolulu on the east end of Waikiki became the centerpiece for Hawaiian running. It is one of the oldest public parks in Hawaii. 
Papillonia Park is a real feature of Honolulu, and we are very fortunate that it got created because uh, it's in a really optimum location right at the base of Diamond Head, and it means that there's a large open space connected or very close to Waikiki, which is a very densely urbanized area now. And it also is nice because it preserves the view of Diamond Head. Well, Kapilani Park was created uh, during the reign of King Kalakaua, which was from 1874 to 1891, and it is named after his wife, who was Queen Kapilani. The two-mile circumference became a very common place to run, with views of the ocean and Diamond Head. Over the years, the park was the starting and finish lines for many races. The Mid-Pacific Roadrunners Club was founded in 1962 in Honolulu and grew to be Hawaii's largest running club. The club was established to promote long-distance running and organize many races and club runs as running interests grew. The club was very successful and Kapa'olani Park was the home base for many of the club's running events. Hawaii became the home of several large and very long relay events attracting runners of all ages. In 1968, the club organized an annual 140-mile Oahu Perimeter Relay for seven-member teams similar to modern-day Ragnar relays. A race promotional announcement included, This unique athletic event will try the stamina of any man and is an opportunity to have an experience which may be unique in your lifetime. Yay! Where's our runner? Arnie! 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 Never again. I'll see you tomorrow, Ernie. All right, Debbie. <laughs> Five. Good luck. In 1970, the winning team of the Windward Athletic Club finished in 12 hours, 39 minutes, and they continued their winning ways for several years. By 1975, the event grew to 70 teams. That year, the record was lowered to 12 hours, 11 minutes, by the University of Hawaii Chargers. In 1976, at the award ceremony held at the Primo Bury, an historic discussion occurred. After a few beers, several runners discussed the three grueling endurance events held in Hawaii. John Collins commented that it would really be something if a person could do all three of the major endurance swimming, biking, and running events held in Hawaii in one day. He said that a person would truly be an Iron Man. Everyone laughed as if he was nuts. The Iron Man became a reality in 1978 when the Around the Island Triathlon was founded by Collins. We're going to do the Waikiki Rough Water Swim, 2.4 miles. We'll start off on the Around the Island bike race, 115 miles. We'll knock three miles off of it. So that puts us at Aloha Tower, the starting spot for the Honolulu Marathon. About 140 miles, we're going to do it all in one day. That's right, whoever crawls across the finish line first, we'll call him the Iron Man. The perimeter relay continued each year through 2005. It was then canceled because of safety concerns. It would have been too expensive to put on with proper police coverage. Also, the State Department of Transportation would no longer approve a permit for the race on public roads. After the Hawaii Marathon moved to the island of Maui in 1971, the Honolulu Marathon was established in 1973. Organized by Dr. Jack Scaff, 
and the Mid-Pacific Roadrunners Club. It was first called the Rim of the Pacific Run and contributed to the running boom that exploded during the late 1970s in Hawaii. That first year, we had 167 entrants, and we thought we were a big race. It took us all day to register them. <laughs> and uh, after the race was over, uh, Mid-Pack Roadrunners said, if we're going to be the Boston of the Pacific, we have to train people. So in 1974, we started the Honolulu Marathon Clinic. 4,000 runners. They had to shut the streets, bigger than the marathon was for about 10 years. In January 1976, SCAF announced that a primo 50-mile fun run event would be held on Valentine's Day 1976. The event was sponsored by Primo Brewing Company. It's number one, we drinking the beer. Have no fear, cause the primo is here. Person, we drinking a drink all day, and yes, we drinking a drink all night. Yes, everyone's here, and the party is right. This unique road running event gives novice and veteran distance runners a chance to participate in either a 10-person 40-mile relay team, covering 4 miles, or marathon runners, covering the entire 50 miles. Refreshments will be served. The entry fee was $1. The course used was a 4-mile road loop in Hawaii Kai on the eastern tip of Oahu. An exceptionally large group of 107 solo 50-mile runners started in staggered one-hour stages in the evening and the relays started the next morning at 4 a.m. Unfortunately, the inaugural race had terrible weather, cold winds and rain. Winds gusted to 50 miles per hour, smashing plate glass windows, toppling trees and churning debris in the streets. Of the 107 solo 50-mile starters, only 34 finished. Tom Bishop of the Marines won the 50-miler in 7 hours 44 minutes. Mary Alec Best was the first woman with 10 hours 10 minutes. Seen and heard during the race, Runners soaking their tootsies in the rec center pool before returning to the course. Friends shouting encouragement from the sidelines in sleeping bags. The runners' cries heard through the night, looking good, looking good. Just an average Saturday night for an island on the run. For 1977, 100-kilometer and 50-kilometer races were added to the event. Frank Bozanich, a Marine captain from San Diego, was the favorite in the 100K. He was the current holder of the American 50-mile record. He was impressed by Hawaii's running community. Hawaii is so outdoor-oriented. Everybody would rather be a participant than a spectator. The races started on May 28, 1977. The locals were warned, If you are driving around Hawaii Kai area tonight, those aren't residents answering a tidal wave warning you are seeing on the street. There was a total of about 1,400 runners involved, including 100 ultra runners in the solo events. It was proclaimed that Hawaii was the running capital of the world. Runners, are you Three, two, one, go! 
The event captivated Honolulu. A swarm of mostly everyday people massed along Hawaii Kai Drive for the Spirited Team Relay event. With free-flowing beer and soft drinks, it seemed more like a street party. A surprised police officer directing traffic commented, We really didn't expect anything like this. Bozanich won the 100K in 7 hours, 14 minutes. In 1978, the Primo Ultramarathon and Relays continued to grow with an expected 4,600 entrants, which made it the largest participant sport event ever in the state. A 100-mile event was added with six entrants. Who were the entrants in this historic race? Max Telford, age 42, grew up in Scotland, then moved to New Zealand. His early running career is covered in episode 69. In the 1970s, he went to Hawaii and made a significant impact on establishing ultra-running there. Telford was a legitimate elite ultra-runner who sought out amazing running adventures to be the first or fastest. He accomplished many successful solo stunts and self-promotions. In October 1976, Telford flew to Hawaii to run the Oahu Perimeter Relay Course solo. Ava sponsored him, and he ran around the island 134 miles in 21 hours. In 1977, Telford ran 186 miles on Maui in 31 hours 33 minutes and set a world's fastest known time for a road 300 kilometers. As plans were put into place to add a 100 miler to the 1978 Primo event, it was highly publicized that Telford would be running in Hawaii's first 100 miler. Paul Ryan, age 32, became a legendary Hawaiian ultra runner. He attended college at Stanford in California, where he took up distance running during his senior year. He explained, A friend of mine at school just finished the Boston Marathon and he talked me into taking up the sport. It seemed like a good way to get exercise inexpensively. After college, he went to the Big Island of Hawaii in 1971, where he worked as a high school teacher and basketball coach at Hawaii Preparatory Academy. He said, in the two years of coaching, we won only three games. The school was going to make me the volleyball coach as well, but they changed their mind when they learned that I had never played the game. In 1974, he started to attend medical school at Hawaii School of Medicine on Oahu. He hoped to get a medical degree and practice in underserved areas of Hawaii. That year, he also began competing in running races in the area from one mile to a marathon, placing high. After seeing so many patients with diseases of civilization, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, plus others, it made a believer out of me regarding the importance of maintaining good health. Ryan's best marathon time was a respectable 2 hours 52 minutes, but he soon learned that he did much better in the ultra distances. In 1977, he placed second at the Primo 50 miler in 6 hours 52 minutes. Ryan worked at improving his health and became a vegetarian. His weight went down and his running performance improved. He prepared for the 1978 100-mile race by running about 120 to 130 miles a week during the previous two months. Gordon Dugan, age 44, was originally from Colville, Washington. He was a University of Hawaii engineering professor, a very experienced runner, and the president of the Mid-Pacific Roadrunners Club. In 1974, he had an unusual experience. 
Dugan was stopped by a policeman at a deserted intersection and charged with running a red light. Literally. You see, Dugan wasn't in a car. He was jogging. The ticket for failure to come to a stop cost him $15. He was a veteran of 12 marathons and several ultras during the past five years, including a 50-miler win in 6 hours 50 minutes. This would be his first 100-miler. He said, I have been training hard and I'm ready for the long run. I ran almost 100 miles last week, and over the past year I've averaged 12 miles a day. Don Boardman, age 47, was an electrical assembler. He started running marathons in 1976 and did well. He said, I can't stand it when people tell me I can't do something. I like the challenge. It's exciting to know that you're able to do something others can't. I guess what excites me is that you can quit any time. All you have to do is stop, so you have to tell yourself you won't quit. Tom Knoll, age 45, was a Marine gunnery sergeant stationed on Oahu. He accomplished a solo 130-mile run around Oahu in 35 hours, 20 minutes. When Telford tried to break the world 24-hour record, Knoll ran 100 miles with him. On February 18, 1978, at Honolulu, Knoll competed in the first Ironman triathlon ever held and finished sixth out of 12 finishers. Of that accomplishment, he said, No one had ever done anything like that, and so it was more a question of finishing than it was of placing. My trophy from the race says, Finisher, that's all. That was the objective, just to see if it could be done. Nobody knew what the heck we were doing out there. Ernie Bennett was a Marine Sergeant. He had never even run a marathon race, but he was doing 8-mile noon runs each day and had recently run a successful non-stop 50-mile run. He said, I guess I missed those short marathon runs during my training, but I'm looking forward to finishing the 100-miler. He increased his training to 120 miles per week leading up to the race. On race day, May 27, 1978, Boardman, for some reason, started early before the official start. The four others started at the official 4 p.m. start time. Curiously, despite all the publicity in the news, Telford failed to show up and gave no explanation. Did some legitimate competition scare him away? Once the relay got started the next morning, The roads were ruled by the masses of people. Traffic was squeezed down from four lanes to two, and even the cars were forced to crawl, giving precedence to the human race, while most of the relay teams picnicked on sidewalks, screaming, chanting, and waving signs and banners. Some serious running was going on in the ultramarathon division. For the historic 100-mile race, Ryan built up a big lead, but hit the wall at mile 89 and had to walk quite a bit during the last 11 miles. He became badly dehydrated during the humid race and lost 14 pounds. He said, The high humidity in the sheltered areas and the strong headwinds made the last two or three laps really difficult. My left hip also bothered me early in the race, but it worked its way out. Toward the end of his run, an interested psychiatrist examined him and found him to be borderline psychotic. <laughs> Ryan said, At times during the night, I lost touch with reality. At one moment, I would be happy and floating, and at the next, I would be sad and depressed. 
You have come too far to quit now. You have invested too much to quit now. Don't cry about it. Don't whine about it. Get a reward for your pain. Ryan hung on and won in 15 hours, 30 minutes, the eighth fastest 100-mile time in America that year. Soon after he stopped, his wits returned, and he started to think about the next long run. Dugan finished second in 17 hours, 36 minutes. Boardman was credited with a 20-hour, 23-minute finish. Noel also finished in more than 20 hours. In 1979, race organizers were anxious to see a Ryan-Telford matchup in the 100-miler. To lure Ryan back to the 100-miler, the race director, in jest, sent him 25 cents for bus fare expense money. That year, the ultramarathon and relays attracted 6,400 runners, with more than 200 running solo ultra-distances. Ryan was well-trained and even ran some 180-mile weeks. Telford ran hard from the start and wanted to push for a lap lead over the field to put a psychological pressure over the competition. Ryan was in close pursuit of Telford for about 8 miles. Then came the rain, darkness, heat, and humidity, and Ryan struggled. He explained, I had muscle cramps at about 25 to 30 miles, but I took some aspirin and got rid of them. The hardest part was having to repeat the course over and over again during the night. Telford also struggled and said, During the night, the air became heavy and humid, and I slowed a bit. It wasn't like the lead was threatened since Paul Ryan, my nearest competitor, was running nearly a full lap behind me. Telford went on to win in 13 hours, 53 minutes. Ryan came in second with 14 hours, 42 minutes, his lifetime 100-mile best. Some wondered why Ryan did not win again that year. He explained, Actually, I was well satisfied with my performance. My time was 47 minutes faster than my winning time last year. The only difference that I see was that Telford was entered in this year's race. Telford boasted, I expected to do better. What is important is that I won the race. I want to be number one. I am the champion, my friend. Ryan later explained what it was like to run 100 miles. Everything becomes painful. Every muscle in your body hurts, not just your legs. Your stomach, your back, your chest, your arms, everything's stiff and sore. You might have blisters or knee or hip or arch or ankle problems. Your joints are all aching and you become depressed. You're approaching the boundaries of sanity. You get mad at little things. You say nasty things to people. Everything is mass self-inflicted punishment in the name of the sport. Anyone can do this. The hardest part is to condition the mind to continue. Telford had worked hard to do well. I do it because I'm good at it, and I'm fairly ambitious. I'm thinking about running 100 miles even when I'm on a 10-mile training run. Conditioning yourself psychologically is over 50% of it, and you've got to have that knack for an ultramarathon. In 1980, Max Telford won the 100-miler again with a time of 15 hours, 15 minutes. Ryan chose to run the 100K that year. Telford built up a 4-mile lap lead over the 100-mile field by 16 miles and cruised to the win, but not as fast as his win in 1979. 
He explained why he ran slower than the previous year. The weather conditions were just too bad for any kind of good performance. We had a torrential downpour between 8 and 11 p.m., and it was awfully humid the rest of the time. The rain caused some pretty bad blisters on my feet, but probably the worst part of it was the lack of competition. It's hard to push yourself, and it gets pretty boring when it's not competitive. Ryan and Dugan battled hard against each other in the 100k, but decided to run the last few laps together, they tied for the win. In 1981, the event was renamed to the Hawaii Festival of Running. It was Ryan's turn to win without serious competition among a field of 12 100-mile starters. He said, You need competition in order to keep your concentration going and to keep pushing. I took the lead around 28 miles, and by 60 miles the competition had disappeared. It really makes a difference when you don't have anyone there to force the pace. He finished in 16 hours, 13 minutes in hot and muggy conditions. At the finish, he said, My thighs and legs are a little stiff and not ready to run another 100 miles, but mentally I feel good and ready to run again. In 1982, Telford won again with 15 hours, 36 minutes. And in 1983, it was Ryan's turn again to win it in 16 hours, 49 minutes. By 1984, interest in the 100-miler and the other ultras started to dwindle, and Telford DNF'd the 100-miler. There were just two finishers, with a woman runner, Noelle Murchie, as the overall winner, with 20 hours, 37 minutes. In 1985, the solo ultra events were discontinued. The event was only a 32-mile relay. The Hawaii Festival of Running was discontinued in 1986 because of difficulties obtaining liability insurance. Later in the 1980s, the Hawaiian ultra running team, HERT, was established including runners who mostly ran on trails. There was a group of us that started meeting after work. A bunch of us had joined the Oahu Athletic Club, which doesn't exist anymore. We gravitated towards each other because there were like maybe 10 or 15 of us. We just ran as a group for a while. We were out running one day and we were talking about some of the other clubs that were on the mainland and some of them had acronyms and interesting names and we were trying to think of you know, what we could name our group. Between John and I, I think I came up with the acronym one day and it kind of stuck. The club became responsible for most of the ultras since the late 1980s. But no formal 100-mile race was held in Hawaii for 17 years. Hurt 100 was established in 2001 with eight finishers. What happened to Paul Ryan? Ryan stayed active in the running community during the 1980s. In 1981, he co-authored a book with marathon runner Noel Murchie. It was entitled Hawaii, A Runner's Guide. In 1983, Ryan traveled to California and ran in western states, finishing in 20 hours, 35 minutes. In 1987, Ryan dropped off the ultra-running radar. What happened to Max Telford? In 1979, Telford moved from New Zealand to Hawaii to take advantage of his fame there. He started promoting a line of running clothes and athletic equipment. He also became a professional running coach. He was also hired by Air New Zealand to do public relations, and he was trying to organize adventure runs with the airline hoping to take groups to run with Max in places like the Grand Canyon and Death Valley. 
The idea fizzled. Telford continued for the next decade to do creative journey runs, accomplishing many mountain firsts, ran in a few rural races, and successfully cashed in on his fame with some good publicity management help. By 2016, he said that he had run more than 180,000 lifetime miles. In 2021, Max Telford was 85 and living in the Philippines, where he owned six hairdressing salons. Stay tuned for more 100-mile history. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.